be seated. If you have your Bibles, take them out, turn to the Gospel of Mark, Mark, Mark chapter 1, we'll be beginning in verse 14 and going all the way through verse 20 in the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. So last week, we had the privilege of hearing from Zach out of the Gospel of Matthew, and I think he did an excellent job of opening up the Word of God to us, but not only that, but taking that text and moving us forward into today, which is a little bit different than what we normally do, so Normally, if you're visiting with us, we would have just followed right up with last week's passage, the next passage there in Scripture, and we would have uh, taught that and preached on that text. But today, uh, as the pastor of discipleship and administration here at Iron City Baptist Church, I've been given the privilege to kind of explain and give an understanding from the Word of God about what discipleship is, what it looks like here at Iron City, and what the vision for discipleship is. Well, the vision for Iron City and its discipleship is the same vision that's held by the church at large. And you may get tired of us hearing these, and when you do, tell us, because that means we're only going to say them a few dozen more times to make sure that we really do get it, right? So the vision of Iron City Baptist Church is to have maturing and multiplying disciples to the ends of the earth. And we believe that we're going to accomplish that task by actually doing five core values which are action statements in and of themselves and so our five core values are start with the word love one another roll up your sleeves dine with sinners and glorify God in all things now we understand that we in no way do these perfectly but we do know that this is what we are striving for. We long to be a church of maturing and multiplying disciples to the ends of the earth because we know that that is what's going to bring honor and glory to God. We believe that from the scriptures, these five core values that truly are action statements, if we will do them and put them into practice in our lives, will change and transform everything that we do. So when it comes to today and this passage and my understanding of discipleship, and I hope what you under, have understood from last week with Zach and from the months and years with Cody, that we are all on the same page when it comes to discipleship. We truly believe that everything we do at Iron City Baptist Church must be a part of the process of maturing and multiplying disciples to the ends of the earth. And on the reverse of that, we would believe that if we are doing something here that is not helping us mature and multiply disciples to the ends of the earth, we must ask the question of that thing, why are we still doing it if it's not producing and moving us along in the vision that God has given us as a body of Christ? So we have to look sincerely and honestly at everything that we do. 
how does what we do on a day-to-day basis, a week-to-week basis, month-to-month, and, annu- and annually truly tie into the vision of Iron City Baptist Church? And if you haven't guessed it, we believe in discipleship. Now, I'm going to say a couple of statements and give you some names first, and I'm going to make some statements about discipleship and about disciples. Gary Cooney, Robert Coleman, Dawson Trotman, Arnold Wynn, the Wynn brothers, Bill Hall, Jim Putnam, Craig Etheridge, Dallas Willard. Most of you don't have a clue who I'm talking about. Some of you, because of the relationships you have, know a little bit. Those are faithful, godly men who believe exactly as we believe about discipleship. They have taught their entire lives that truly discipleship is at the foundation of everything that the church is called to do. That discipleship should be the focus of the church because we are called to make disciples who make disciples. So here at Iron City, we believe that there is not a single problem. There is nothing wrong in the church that discipleship cannot cure. We believe that a Christian equals a disciple, which equals a disciple maker. We believe, along with Dietrich Bonhoeffer, no one but Christ himself can call us to discipleship. Discipleship, in essence, never consists in a decision for this or that specific action. It is always a decision for or against Christ himself. Now, that's what the elders of Iron City Baptist Church believe. That's what I firmly hold to in my heart. I also understand that it was over the pe- a period of time in the course of time that God brought me to that understanding. So today, and as we teach and as we preach every week, it's not to convince ourselves that these statements are true. It's to encourage you and to equip you and to convince you that these statements are true. Because truly, until we come to, as a church, an understanding and an agreement that there is nothing wrong in the church that discipleship cannot cure, we're going to go about attempting to fix the issues and the problems in a church in a way that is not discipleship-based and in a way that in the past history of the church has never fixed or never cured the issue. And I would attest to you that I believe history is going to speak to today and that it's not going to cure the issue. What will happen is we will mask the symptoms for a time, but we will never cure the problem. We will never cure what's going on because we will never get to the heart of the individual or the heart of what's going on 
unless we begin to do what Scripture talks about and disciple those and make disciples who make disciples. It's all about discipleship. Jesus taught us how to make disciples. He didn't teach us how to build churches. He taught us how to make disciples. We don't know how to plant churches other than to make disciples. And when you make disciples, the the disciples of Jesus gather together and form a church. Our goal is to do exactly that. But until such a time as we all in unity agree that that is the case, then we're going to have difficulties. Because, you know, every church has its problems. And Iron City Baptist Church is absolutely no different. You know, 75% of the churches in the Southern Baptist Convention are either plateaued or dying. I don't mean to scare you or startle you, but you're not in the top 25%. You're in the 75. We are in the 75% that are plateaued and or declining. I don't say that to startle you or to shock you. I say that because that's the reality of where we are. And if we don't understand that, then we're not going to do what's necessary to move forward. And we believe that what's necessary to move forward as a congregation, as a body of Christ, is to put discipleship at the forefront of everything that we do and make sure that everything that we do is a process and a part of making disciples who make disciples. So we come to the text. And this text speaks to us One, because as Mark writes, we understand that there is, if if you read this, that Mark is the, the very quickest individual to get to the calling of the disciples. He moves from the introduction of Jesus to him calling his disciples faster than every other gospel does. And he does so intentionally. Because if you walk through the book of Mark, what you're going to see is a process of discipleship that goes from calling individuals to Christ to maturing them through the relationship with Christ until they multiply out for the glory of God. In other words... Mark is a book, is a gospel that teaches us how to make disciples. And a disciple who is one who is intentionally following Jesus with the purpose of maturing and multiplying for the glory of God. A disciple is one who is intentionally following Jesus with the purpose of maturing and multiplying for the glory of God. And so we come to this text Just after Jesus has been baptized by John, just a couple of verses, he's gone out and faced the temptation in the wilderness again because it's Mark and the way he writes, just a couple of verses. But then beginning in verse 14, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, they saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, 
who were, who were in their boat mending their nets, and immediately he called them. And they left their, their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. When we come to this text of Scripture, we see that Jesus, in the beginning of his earthly ministry, is baptized by John. He goes out and he faces every temptation known to man, basically pride and arrogance and the ability to become God, which is what we do for ourselves out of our pride. And he overcomes that with the word of God. And now he moves publicly and quickly into the gospel ministry, which he has been called to. After John was arrested, you notice there was a change here. John had been on the scene and he had been, he had been teaching and preaching and proclaiming re repentance and baptism. He had been paving the way for the Messiah as Isaiah says he would. And as he does this, he lays the path for Jesus to enter onto the scene and he's arrested. And really, we know that Jesus has begun some of his ministry at this point. And so Mark is really kind of giving us a timeline John's ministry is what preceded and prepared the path for Jesus' ministry. So he's arrested. He's out of the way. We know ultimately he's going to sacrifice his life, and it's going to be handed over to uh, on a platter because of, of what he preached and what he taught. But Jesus then came into Galilee proclaiming nothing less than the gospel of God. Jesus, the beginning of his ministry, the first thing he does, he goes into the region, he comes out of the wilderness, he comes out of temptation, he's prepared, he's ready, he's set himself up, God has equipped him, the Spirit of God is powerfully upon him, just as it is every disciple who sits here today. Because that's what Acts 1-8 promises us, is the Spirit of God will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. The same Spirit of God has overwhelmed Christ and he goes out into God and he begins to preach nothing less and nothing short of the gospel of God. And this is not a half-hearted gospel, this is the full gospel. This is a gospel that demands repentance. This is a gospel that demands life change. This is a gospel that demands sacrificing everything of who you are for the glory of God and to him. This is a gospel that means you're allowing God to invade your life and invade your heart, not just on Sundays, but every single day of the week, every hour of the day, every minute of the day, every moment of the day. Every thought should be held captive by the gospel. Every word and phrase that we speak should process through the gospel before we ever allow the utterance to come out of our mouth so that we know that what we're saying is bringing honor and glory to God. And he came proclaiming the gospel of God saying the time is fulfilled and oh yes it was he came at the right time he came at the right moment the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe in the gospel Jesus comes on to the scene and he says now is the moment everything is shifting everything is changing I have come to fulfill the old law I have come to fulfill what an Old Testament has said the writings and the prophets and the law, everything that was written, Jesus has come to fulfill and he enters onto the scene and the gospel is repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. The gospel has not changed. The gospel today that we proclaim and that we are called to proclaim and we are called to teach is repent and believe for the gospel of God, the kingdom of God is at hand. Now let me take just a moment to read what we believe is the gospel. 
Some of you have heard this because you've been in our vision and values class and you've sat through this more than once. The gospel is the master plan of God worked out through the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ to draw his chosen people unto himself and hold them there eternally. That plan began before time and runs through all eternity. In the life of the disciple, it is worked out by the Spirit of God, drawing them to the point of justification, empowering them to work out their salvation through their sanctification, culminating in coming to that one glorious moment of glorification where we stand before God. And we can do so without fear, but in a mindset that we are covered by the blood of Christ and worship him for eternity. Our salvation is not to earn, but to work out our justification. Our glorification is not because of our sanctification. Our sanctification is not to earn, but to work out our justification. Our glorification is not because of our sanctification, but the final outworking of our justification The gospel is a gift from God that should not be taken lightly. When we truly receive, can only be worked out in our lives by following him. It's not a life of ease and luxury, but of faithful service as slaves to a king. And that king is Jesus. The gospel is God invading our lives in such a way that we no longer see them as ours. And that everything we do is through him and for him. That's the gospel that we need to proclaim. It's an all-encompassing gospel that lays bare the fact that we must come before King Jesus. And we must proclaim that he is Lord. And we must allow him to enter into every aspect of our life holding nothing back but committing to a lifetime of service as slaves to a king. We commit ourselves to God. That's the gospel. That's what repentance looks like. We repent acknowledging that we are no good, dirty, rotten sinners standing before an almighty, infinitely holy God. And as we do, we are laid bare and we must repent as Isaiah does in chapter 6 of Isaiah. We must believe in the gospel. We have to have faith and understanding and true belief that Jesus is who he says he is. He is fully God and he is fully man. He came, he was perfect in life, he died on the cross, he was risen, he was raised again so that you and I might come to new life through him. That's the gospel. It's the good news of God. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. If it's such good news, why do we have such hard time sharing it? If the gospel of God is such good news, why is it so difficult for us to share it? If the gospel of God is such good news, why do we have such a hard time applying it to our lives? Why do we live in a state of fear when the gospel is powerful enough to change us and transform us? Because that's where what happens next. 
You see, Jesus enters into his ministry and he proclaims the truth of the gospel. And the truth of the gospel invades the lives of the men he's about to call. And he calls them and he says, come to me, come and follow me. And their response is immediate. They drop everything and they follow after him. Think of the call of the twelve. Think of Matthew. He's sitting at the tax collector booth. Jesus says, come follow me. He gets up from his job. In essence, he quits, right? He quits his job because this job is not going to bring honor and glory for, to God and allow him to follow Christ as he's been called to. He gets up and follows the master. But in our text, we see fishermen Simon and Andrew, and they're casting their nets into the sea. They're fishing. They're actively engaged in their vocation. Jesus comes by, says, follow me. Because of the gospel of God, follow me. They drop their nets and follow him. There's no hesitation. It's immediate. Mark's gospel is a gospel of immediacy. It moves you from step to step and moment to moment quickly so that you understand the urgency of what's taking place. We don't have time to wait. We don't have time to decide if we're going to follow Jesus. Now is the moment to accept and heed the call of God on your lives. Whether that is to the gospel of God for the very first time, understanding that you are a no good, dirty, rotten sinner, and you must have Jesus for salvation or whether that is a believer who has never made a disciple and you understand that you need to repent because of that and move forward in your relationship. He says, follow me. Following him is not the only thing that's about to take place, though, is it? Because following Jesus isn't just like following someone else. It's not just walking behind him in a line. We're not playing follow the leader at recess and trying to get from point A to point B. We're not playing Simon Says to move to the point where we win the prize. We're becoming what he intends for us to become. This is what he offers for those men that he calls. He says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Notice what's taking place here. That's, that's a very literal rendition of what's going on in the text. He says, I will make you become. Who's going to make me become? God is going to make me become. Who's going to do it? God is going to change me. Because you know what? Before the time that I surrendered my life to Christ in salvation and came to him as the only true hope and opportunity that I have, I tried to change me. I tried to make myself right. I tried to accept that I was okay. But you know, even as a young boy, I came to the conclusion and the decision that I was not. And because I was not, I would not enter into the kingdom of God one day. As a matter of fact, I even told my parents such. Can you imagine your young child, six, seven years old, riding in the back of your car, come home from church one day? Your father, my father was a pastor. You know, guys, if we were to have a car wreck, Mama, you and Daddy and Adam, that's my brother, you guys would go to heaven. And I wouldn't. I understood at an early age there was a necessity to come before God as King and Lord of my life 
in order to enter into eternity with him. I didn't think there was another way. I didn't think, I, I realized that I, I was not good enough, as good as I might have been. That even my sin as a young boy had taken me out of the presence of God and had placed me in the state with every other wicked, no good, dirty, rotten sinner. I was desperately in need of a Savior. The disciples came to that point. They came to an understanding of who Jesus was. He says, follow me and I am going to do something with you that you can't do on your own. I am going to take you and this is what you are now and this is what I am going to make you. The scripture says that we are going to be a new creature, that the old things have died and gone away. We are going to be new. So when he pulls them out of fishing for fish, this is who they are. And when he makes them to become fishers of men, now this is who they are. And there is a distinct difference between the two. And as disciples of Christ, there must be a distinct difference from who we were to who God is making us to be. This is what we talk about when we talk about the gospel, our sanctification, our glorification, our justification. This justification is when we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life. That sanctification is this process of becoming what Christ would have me to become. Dallas Willard says we need to learn how to live our lives as if Jesus were living it through us. So if you're a plumber, how would Jesus be a plumber? If you're a manager, how would Jesus be a manager? If you're a school teacher, how would Jesus be a school teacher? If you're an accountant or whatever, how would Jesus do that? That's what you're called to do. That's the way that you're called to live. Just follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. And immediately they left their boats and followed him. James and John, same thing, same scenario, same call. Come and follow me. And they don't just leave their stuff. They've got a dad, a father, who they were responsible for taking care of in his older age. They would have been responsible for that, especially in their culture. He's sitting there, and all he's got is some hired servants. And they leave and follow Jesus. Was it neglect? Was it irresponsible? Was it the call of God on their lives? Yes. To an onlooking world, does that look like neglect? Does that look like irresponsibility? Does that look like it should not happen? Absolutely. If you don't believe me, talk to Cameron, talk to myself, talk to Alan and Jennifer, talk to Morgan and Mary Kate, talk to Ellie, and see some of the thoughts and some of the things that people would say to them about leaving and going out of the country for months on end with no one else with them. Does it seem illogical? Absolutely. Does it seem desperate? Yeah, because we are desperate for the glory of God to be taken around the world. Tell it to the people that we have right now serving in places where we can't even tell you the names of the countries taking the gospel of God to the darkest, deepest places on earth. Is it illogical? Yes. Is it irresponsible? Yes. Is it crazy and ludicrous? Yes. 
if you're looking at it from a worldly perspective. But if you're looking at it from a biblical, godly perspective and the call that God has placed on their lives, it is exactly what they are supposed to do. And to do anything different would be nothing short of sin, which is an infinite offense against an infinitely holy God. We're called. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their father and their boats and their hired servants and followed him. Let me ask you a question. If God were to call you to go right now, how would you respond? If you were to know that it was God's will for you to go right now, how would you respond? Would you be willing to heed the call of God in your life. And now I'm going to tell you, the call of God is already there. If you are waiting on God to call you to do something, stop waiting and start doing. Because he's called us to be fishers of men. He's called us to make disciples who make disciples. Every gospel moves forward making disciples who make disciples. The book of Acts moves forward making disciples who make disciples. The epistles move forward the idea of making disciples who make disciples. Paul is overwhelmed with the concept and the idea of making disciples who make disciples. He tells young Timothy to take the things that have been entrusted to him and entrust them to faithful men, not so that they can sit and know and win at Bible trivia. No, that's not what he says. He says entrust them to faithful men who will in turn be able to entrust them to others also. So that we're looking for faithful men and faithful women who the gospel has been entrusted to, and then they, in turn, take the gospel and entrust it to others. Robbie Gallaty says, The gospel of God came to you on its way to someone else. The gospel of God came to you on its way to someone else. Has it made it yet? Has it made it? If the gospel truly did come to you on its way to someone else, has it made it? Because I know just statistically, the vast majority of the people sitting here today have never taken the time to share the gospel of God with someone so that they might come to know and follow the one true God in a discipleship relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the majority of us sitting here today. Now, I can't read your faces and know who you are. Because when we walk in the door of the church on Sunday morning, we all look pretty good, don't we? We all look nice. We all know what's going on. 
But let's go back to the end of Bonhoeffer's statement. It's not just this or that thing that we reject. Always, 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 we're making a decision for or against Christ. If you choose to allow the gospel of God to stop with you, then that's a decision against Christ. If the gospel cries out and moves us and calls us not to be holding it in, but to be doing the same thing and making disciples that fishers of men, that's what the rest of the, the gospels say when he's talking about the Great Commission, make disciples, right? This is, we're drawing others to God, and then we're going to teach them, and we're going to baptize them, and we're going to push them along so that they do the same thing also. When we choose not to make disciples, we are choosing against Christ. That's the choice that is being made every single day in our lives. Are we going to make a decision for Christ or are we going to make a decision against Christ? It's not a decision, will I do what Iron City says is right? Will I do what Aaron has called us to do? Will I believe everything identical to the way Aaron believes it? No, it's a decision to make disciples who make disciples, and that decision daily is to make a decision for Christ or against him. Nothing short of that. Because I would tell you, That if you're not doing what the Bible says, if the gospel has stopped with you, if discipleship has stopped with you, if you're not making disciples who make disciples, I'd ask you to go back to your relationship with Christ and see what it really is. Is it an acknowledger, somebody who says yes? That's who he is. Yes, he was great. Yes, I even love the things of the church and the things that are going on there. But I'm not going to surrender everything I have to him. I'm not going to commit my whole life to him. I'm not going to give everything I have so that this can take place. That decision is not for or against me and not for or against this church. That decision is for or against Christ Jesus himself. And it's yours to make. But you better make sure that you've made the right decision up front. Did I come honestly and sincerely in faith to the one true God of the universe, surrendering everything I am and everything I have to him? Because he says if we have, we will be faithful. Are we faithful? So how does this work itself out at Iron City Baptist Church. Well, we believe that the gospel that we teach and the gospel that we preach is going to determine the disciples that we make. So if, if you've noticed this morning that in the vision for discipleship of Iron City Baptist Church and that sermon here before you, our focus, my focus has been on the gospel of God because we got to get that right. And too many of our churches have missed it. 
You know the hardest thing to come into a place and say is that you've been doing it wrong. You know how difficult that is? How challenging that is? You know the looks you get when you say that? So I'd ask you to analyze your own life when you're in this church. Ask yourself the question, have we been making disciples who make disciples? Unfortunately, we're not alone. And when I say that unfortunately, it's because too many of our churches are failing at making disciples who make disciples because they never went far enough back to the truth of the gospel and got that right and then moved forward. Because we've got an easy believism gospel out there. All you got to do is believe. There's nothing else to it. Scripture doesn't know that Christian. Scripture doesn't know the person who's made a profession of faith and never done anything for the glory and honor of God, who's never been changed by God himself. Scripture does not know that individual as a follower of Christ. We've got the prosperity gospel. We'll come to Jesus, name it, claim it, it's yours. You're going to be great, wonderful, and wealthy and wise. Oh, if you did, it didn't happen for you, you didn't have enough faith. The gospel's what's wrong there, right? But then there's even my own background. It's the right gospel, right? It's a little bit more legalistic. It's coming to Jesus and then having the standards and all the lists and everything laid out and do this, 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 and this. The problem is that we tend to trust in this, 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 and that. Because, you know, grace is, grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning but in the right gospel, I get caught up in this and that. But then there's the kingdom gospel, which is what Jesus preaches. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's the gospel we preach and teach. And we allow that gospel to move in our hearts and lives as it does the disciples. Then we've gone to the right place to allow discipleship to fix the right problem and to cure the disease. So that we can move forward in making disciples who make disciples. Being biblically obedient to the word of God. I would say that this church, us, and many like us, must come to the point where we realize that the first move we have to make is to repent for our failures, come back to the true gospel as God lays it out, and move forward with what God has called us to be, which is fishers of men, understanding that he's the one who's going to transform us, that his spirit is going to change us, understanding that what Philippians says is work out your salvation with fear and trembling is what God has called each believer to do. But if we're never willing, willing to admit we were wrong, then we're never willing to change what must be changed.
But that leads us to this. Too often the church we want is the enemy of the church we have. The church we want is perfect. The church we want is glorious. The church we want is so Bible-focused and heavenly heavenly looking, that everything else is just an outpouring of that and love and gospel and Jesus and all of these things flow abundantly and disciples are being made hand over fist. That's what we long for. That type of perfection is not going to be reached this side of glory. So what we've got to learn to do is love and live in the church where God has placed us and move forward with doing what we can do, understanding and coming to the understanding that there is nothing wrong with the church that discipleship cannot cure. Do you believe it? I believe that statement with every fiber of my being. I would give my life so that you would understand and know that that is the truth from God's word. That the gospel of God, when faithfully presented, is powerful and changes everything and moves us to make disciples who make disciples. Do you believe that a Christian equals a disciple who equals a disciple maker? question as we come to a close today is this what are we going to do about it what are you going to do about it what is our church going to do about it as you make up this body of gathered believers first of all you must come to an understanding of who Jesus is and repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand right now Secondly, you must immediately begin to follow Jesus with everything that you have, allowing God to transform you into what he is going to make you, which is a disciple who makes disciples right here and around the world. We're going to come to a time of invitation, and I would ask that you respond to the call of God upon your life, whatever that is. However he stirred, however the Spirit has moved, you respond. Let us pray. Father, we know that you are God. And Lord, it is in belief of that that we proclaim your word. It is in belief of that, Father, that we beg you. We plead with you to send your spirit upon the lives and hearts of individuals here today that they might truly see that unless they are a disciple, making disciples, they're not following after and running after you the way you have called them. Father, there are no problems in the church that don't come back to the heart And the heart is only fixed with your word, and your word is taught through discipleship. And so, Father, therefore, there is no problem in the church that discipleship cannot cure. Father, we are not Christians and then maybe disciples. 
Father, we are disciples if we are following after you. And if we are disciples, then, Father, we are making other disciples. Lord, teach us. Show us. Enlighten us with the truth of your word. Father, in this time of response, I pray that you would allow us to see and to know you better. Father, that we would come to you for our salvation, that we would come to you for repentance. Father, draw us and call us that we would love you, know you, and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.